I'd like to read for us tonight, it's a longer passage of scripture, but it's the account of the crucifixion as John records it in his gospel. And it begins in chapter 18, verse 28. And I'm not sure, oh, that's, okay. I'm gonna start at chapter 18, verse 28. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. And Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. And this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. And then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. And once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize that I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. 
From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, and they shouted, take him away, take him away and crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and this testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled 
that not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. And later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. And with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier come to Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Let's pray. Father, as we hear these words of Scripture, we thank you for John and the other apostles who recorded them so that we might know exactly what happened on that day when Jesus, our Savior and Lord, died for us. And Father, it's hard for us to even hear the words, to think of how the soldiers taunted him and mocked him, how they beat him and crucified him. And Jesus, how you willingly went to the cross for us. You could have called upon your angels and at any time they would have rescued you and delivered you, but you chose to go to the cross because that's the reason you came. You came to die as a substitute for our sins. And Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your willingness to take upon yourself our sins and die in our place. And tonight, we come to honor you, to tell you we love you, to thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us, and to worship you. And Father, I pray that as we continue in our service, that you would speak very powerfully to our hearts of the love of Christ for each of us. In his name we pray, amen. And what we see when we come to the Gospels is that, you know, Peter, John, Thomas, all of them, they were ordinary men who knew Jesus and who were wrestling with this question from early on, who is this man? I mean, they had known him as he grew up around the Sea of Galilee, as he was a young man in Nazareth and then began to work in that area where these men were fishermen. And they had seen him and they had known him and he looked like this ordinary man and yet there was something that was so different about him. This question, who is this man, is the question that all of us must answer. And I know that most of us who are in this room tonight would say we've already figured that out and God has shown himself to us and we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But there are many in our world, and maybe you are here tonight and you're still wrestling with that question. Who is this man? Is he just a religious leader? Was he just a, a good man, a teacher who had this unfortunate death that took place on what we call Good Friday? Or was he more than that? Was he God in human flesh who came to die on the cross for our sins? It's the question that every person must answer. 
And you can't remain neutral when it comes to Jesus. You can't say, I don't know, because not to decide is to decide. Jesus won't let us get away with that. Either he is Lord and God to us, and he is our Savior, or you have rejected him and you have turned away from him. Who is this man? I see that question raised early on in Jesus' ministry when the disciples had just been getting to know Jesus, spent time with him, and Jesus was teaching one day by the Sea of Galilee. And after a long day of ministry, he told the disciples, let's get in a boat. He wanted to go to the other side. And they got into this boat and they pushed off of the shore and went out onto the Sea of Galilee. And a furious storm came up. And Jesus, he was so tired, he was asleep in the back of the boat. And the waves were getting larger and larger, and they began to come over the front of the boat and swamp it. And the disciples, and even these guys who were experienced fishermen, were afraid. And they woke Jesus up, and they said to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? And Jesus got up, and he said to the storm, Peace. Be still, and the wind and the waves die down. And Mark tells us that the disciples were terrified. They were now more afraid of Jesus than they were of the storm. And they said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They would follow Jesus in his ministry. They would see his power over sickness and disease. They would see him... uh, you know, cause the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. They would see him cast out demons out of those who were demon-possessed. They saw his power over nature, as in this example. And they even saw him raise the dead. And so late in Jesus' ministries, there's this time when he takes them north, far north in Israel, to an area that's known as Caesarea Philippi. And there at this city that was at the base of the Mount Hermon chain, he brings them and he asks them the question, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, some say John the Baptist, come back to life. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? You know, he doesn't care about what anybody else says. It's you. Who do you say that I am? And Peter replies that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Peter, because this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you something, Peter. But you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This confession, this belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who is this man? It's the question the Roman centurion asked when he watched the way that Jesus died. It was dramatized there in the sketch that we just saw that this man had seen men crucified before, but he had never seen anyone die like Jesus. Father, forgive them, he said. 
I mean, men curse their executioners. They don't forgive them. He heard Jesus' concern for his mother. He heard Jesus cry out to his father. He heard him surrender his spirit to the father and cry out, it is finished. The debt had been paid in full, the debt that we owed for our sins. He had covered by his blood. And when the centurion heard Jesus and saw the way that he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Who is this man? It's the question that Barabbas must have wrestled with when the crowd called for his release and wanted Jesus crucified. I mean, Barabbas was a hardened criminal. He was the leader of a rebellion, an insurrection, and he knew that he deserved to die. But this man, Jesus, who was he? And why did the crowd want him crucified? Origen tells us that Barabbas' name was Jesus Barabbas, which means Jesus, son of a father. And the crowd chose Jesus, son of a father, rather than Jesus, son of the father. And Origen concludes that this has always been the sinner's choice, to reject Jesus and to follow the world. And as hardened as Barabbas was, he was shocked by the crowd's choice. And slowly the truth unfolded that Jesus Christ was dying in his place so that he could be free. Dr. Donald Barnhouse wrote that Barabbas was the only man in the world who could say that Jesus Christ took his physical place. You and I can say that Jesus took our spiritual place for it was we who deserved to die. It was we who deserved the wrath of God. It was we who deserved eternal punishment in the lake of fire. He was delivered up for our offenses. He was handed over to judgment because of our sins. And that's why we speak of the substitutionary atonement that Jesus died as our substitute, taking our place to pay the debt that we owed. Barnhouse went on to say that that's why I can say that Christianity can be expressed in three phrases. That I deserved hell, Jesus took my hell, and there is nothing left for me but his heaven. Who is this man? It's a question that Pilate was wrestling with when the Jewish leaders brought Jesus to him. He asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate asked, what is truth? Was he mocking Jesus when he said that? Or did he really want to know? Clearly, as the day unfolded, he was more interested in pleasing the crowd than in releasing Jesus. But he wrestled with this question, who is this man? I find no grounds for putting him to death. He is innocent. And yet the crowd wanted him crucified. Pilate wrestled with the question, what is truth? 
Those are questions that people wrestle with today. There are those in our world who don't believe that there is anything that is absolute truth. And they question who Jesus really was. And the Gospel of John, along with the other Gospels, answers that question. That's why I love this book. The Apostle John is a skillful writer who writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And truth is one of his themes in his Gospel. He tells us that Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth in chapter 1. He tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word is Jesus, that Word that became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He is the very incarnation of truth. And Jesus will say in His ministry, for example, in John 8, 32, that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And in chapter 8, verse 36, he equates himself with that truth when he says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There is a way to be free from our sins. There is a way to to know God. There is a way to have eternal life, and it is through Jesus. It's through knowing the truth and putting our confidence, our trust in him as that one who died in our place. Twenty-four times in the gospel, Jesus will make truth statements, like John 8, 58, where he said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. And he used the very name that God had used when he had revealed himself to Moses. And here is Jesus, this man claiming to be God incarnate. The Jews were ready to take up stones to stone him. They thought it was blasphemy that this Man was claiming to be God, and it would be blasphemy if he indeed was not God incarnate. In John 10, verse 1, he said, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. I tell you the truth, I am the gate. In those days when shepherds brought their sheep to a pen for night, there was no gate The shepherd was the gate. And he would lie down in that opening where the sheep would go in and out. Jesus is that gate. He is the way to the Father, and it is only through him that we can come into a relationship with God. In the boldest statement of all, in John 14, 6, he declares that I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to be forgiven. There's no other way to be right with God than to come through Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. For John, the answer is clear. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. And he wrote this gospel so that we might believe in him and have eternal life. And when Jesus went to that cross that day, he went willingly, knowing all that awaited him. He went because of his great love for you and me. Three years ago, there was a young man who was a soldier in Afghanistan. His name was Sergeant Dennis Weichel. 
And he was on an assignment, and he was part of a convoy of large military vehicles that were going down this road in Afghanistan. And as they were speeding along, they noticed that there were children that were in the roadway ahead, and so they stopped. The children were moved out of the way. They were there, they were picking up gun casings in the path that they take and they would recycle for money. And they moved all the children out of the way and the convoy began to move by at a rapid pace. But just then an Afghan girl darted back into the road to pick up some more casings in the path of a speeding 16-ton armored truck. Weichel saw the girl and instinctively he moved toward her to get out of the way. And he dove across and he got her out of the way, but in the process he was hit by one of those armored trucks and he was killed. Staff Sergeant Ronald Corbett said about him that he would have done it for anybody. That's the way he was. He was the kind of guy who would give you the shirt off his back if you needed it. He was that type of man who would lay down his life for another. And I think of this young man who didn't even know that girl. But because of who he was, because of his character, because of his courage, and the way that God had made him, he was willing to lay down his life for someone he didn't even know. When I think of Jesus, the difference there is that he knows us. But it was because of his great love, it's because of who he was that he was willing to go to that cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And no one else could do it. No one but one who was righteous. No one but one who had never in their life ever sinned, but who had kept the law of God completely and fulfilled all the requirements for our sake. This innocent, spotless one willingly laid down his life for our sins. Tonight we come to remember what he has done for us and to give him thanks. We come, we're going to be taking communion tonight, the bread and the cup that are symbols of his body and his blood that was shed for us. And before we do that tonight, I want to give this invitation that if you are here tonight and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, you could do that tonight. It's why he came. And if you would turn to him and you would say to Jesus, Jesus, would you forgive my sins and come into my life and be my Savior and Lord, he will take you at your word and he will do that. And you could begin a new relationship with him this evening. It's that simple. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Would you turn to him as I close this message in prayer. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you tonight, thank you for your son. And thank you for the sacrifice that he made to pay the penalty for our sins. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord and you'd like you, would you repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, would you forgive me Thank you that you were willing to die on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to come into my life to be my Savior and Lord. I want to know you. I want to follow your will for my life. 
And I pray that you would help me in the days ahead to understand exactly what that means. Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. And tonight we come and we gather around your table and we're going to take of the bread and the cup and we're going to do it in remembrance of you. In your name we pray, amen. I want to give some instructions about communion tonight and would the elders come forward that are going to assist with that. We're going to do this by procession again this evening, asking you to come forward to the front to take communion. There's going to be music playing, instrumental music first, and then that'll give you time to come forward. And I'd ask you to, you know, even in the balcony, if you would, if you all come down, if you use the center aisle, this will make it a little easier to come by each table on each side and then return on the side aisles back to your seats. I want this to be a reverent time. If you want to sit in your seats for a while and just think and pray, and if there's any sin that you need to confess to Jesus tonight, to do that and be right with him. We're going to take our time doing this, and we want to honor Jesus. And when it comes time to where uh, the words are on the screen, please join in the singing, and we're going to make this a worship time as we uh, end our service in this way. And I think of what Jesus said on that first Passover. Listen to these words. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen.